0: You are listening to episode 171 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan.
1: Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games we've recently picked up, games we're currently playing, and we punch and kick our way through this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge.
0: So uh, this week for the Inflation Deflation Challenge, we decided to play a little bit of Absolver on the PlayStation four uh, in honor of
1: the launch of Sifu, uh, I think a couple weeks ago now.
0: Yeah. And um, interestingly, Ryan could not download it in time for this morning. So we ended up doing the PlayStation share play, which we can also talk about today, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't even know time. that was a
1: thing. <laughs> yeah,
0: dude, it's been on there for a long time. You know, I think people forget that that actually exists, that in like the screenplay that you can kind of, you know, or screen share, you know, so you can see at any point about PlayStation plus and then the actual playing component. I Um, mean, I've tried to
1: do things like, um, streaming on the Vita from, you know, like your PlayStation three or whatever. And I've tried to do like, I've had several Sony phones, you know, try to do that where, you know, screening the game on the phone, but it's like, I don't know, man. I feel so gimmicked with some of that stuff. Sometimes I'm not into it. It's the same thing with like, you know, I could play any amount of games on my phone with emulation nowadays. And even if I got like, I could do game pass on my phone and just get one of those phone clips and have an Xbox controller on it. But it's just, there's something about that that doesn't feel like as real You know, like phone Mm -hmm. gaming just never feels as real to me. Like I've what I've been actually doing a lot lately is I've been playing in my house with my Xbox and I've got my portable monitor that I use as a third monitor for my computer. And I'll just plug that in and set that on top. I want to get like a whole briefcase where I just have it like, boom, here we go. (laughs) Xbox time.
0: Yeah, they do that. I know they have one for like PlayStation 4 where it like pops up. Well, they have a
1: screen that they're making. That's going to just clip on to the back of it. Hmm. um, And that's pretty interesting. But I mean, my portable monitor, I think, is like at least as good as that. I think it's definitely bigger than that is. And it I don't know, it does a fine enough job. These portable monitors are great. I wish I knew about these a long time ago
0: yeah i don't have one of those Fortunately, if i did the ones that clip onto the actual like laptops i'd have four screens which is not a good thing um <laughs> too much power too way too much going on yeah honestly like i'm my old computer that i had for work it got to the point where it could not keep up with multiple screens so like i could have like two screens going and there were no issues but if i had three screens going at once the computer just wanted to constantly crap out so yeah. i finally like called up my uh it guy at the company i'm like dude i need a new computer Like I can't work with just two screens. It's driving me crazy as as bad as that sounds. And it's totally like first world problems to say, I can't work without, you know, three monitors, but like realistically it's so difficult.
1: I was never really a multiple monitor person, but like with my new job and I just transferred my same setup to home so that I can basically work from home. I need three monitors to do my job.
0: Yeah. Same here. And that's the biggest part of it. It's like, if I, don't have three months like you know the ability to have like your chat on one side in your email and then your excel documents and all these other things going on like you you need that accessibility through multiple
1: monitors do you and have so, a tate a what like the portrait mode instead of landscape
0: no dude i have you've seen my setup
1: oh yeah I, you come to my house every I do. single yeah, weekend I, do. <laughs> I, I sit there i i sit in front of it yeah you
0: literally have used my setup <laughs>
1: Not necessarily my work
0: computer, but you've used the two monitors side by side. Well,
1: I don't know. Maybe you turn it. Mine
0: rotates. No, mine doesn't. I'm not that advanced, Ryan. All right. Well, talking about uh, advanced stuff, I guess, I'm advancing my collection fervor, Ryan. So there we go. There we go. Talk, let's talk about my pickups this week. Uh, so I got Mega Man, the Willy Wars from Limited Run Games.
1: Oh, nice.
0: So it's actually the collector's edition and it is straight up a Sega Genesis cart for the willy cool. Wars. yeah it's pretty cool now what pisses me off is i have a little Mega Man sticker on the top of it so that you can't like you'd have to i have to heat gun in a way basically to be able to access it or not heat gun because that'd be way too much power probably a blow dryer to take the sticker off to make sure the residue remains and i can just keep it all nice and pristine but open eat up some my hot case.
1: soup and then blow on
0: it yeah, That'll we'll go it. with that. We'll go with that. Or I'll just take in a shower with me and just kind of make you sure go. the steam kind of helps get rid of everything. Uh, but yeah, so I picked it up a long time ago. I think it was like 60 bucks, I want to say, when I bought it. I, dude, I don't know. Some of these games, like that's that's kind of what I like about limited run games. I know I used to shit on them all the time, but you buy this game and then like... It's a present to yourself in the future. Six months down the road, it's like, hey, look, this just came in the mail. And that's what I got. So I got that and I got Monster Viator which is some like RPG. I guess it was limited to like a thousand copies or something on PS4. And I bought it for some random reason. So I own that now. Um, and what else I get? I got magic cards as always, always buy magic cards, always selling magic cards and always trying to get rid of magic cards. Um, I'm so close by the way to organizing all of those cards. I've got four or 5,000 count boxes that are just about done organization wise and then i gotta go into 32 fat packs so that's a totally different animal right there yeah uh, but i've slimmed up the collection like by six thousand cards that's crazy so that's pretty good and like i've kept my multiples of four and gotten rid of my excess so um, you're
1: just like setting aside all your bulk
0: uh well yeah i'm setting aside all the bulk and ziploc bags that are marked as like you know a little squiggly item for give or take it's just like give or take 1000 bulk magic cards and then I'm just gonna sell those locally. I'll try and get rid of them for like eight bucks a thousand or ten bucks a thousand or something.
1: Okay. I've got some more. I actually went through and incorporated all my Kemagawa stuff that I got last week. And I mean, I still have some more that I'm gonna have to go through because I left the other stuff over at my friend's house, but mm-hmm. I I every so often <laughs> I gotta go through because I know the way your stuff looks. And I'm like, man, if I if I don't do it now, it's going to get unruly at some point. So every like month or so, I go through and try to reincorporate some stuff like I break down some old decks and mix yeah. them back in.
0: Well, see, my stuff hasn't been too bad as of late because I just started organizing. It's not because I didn't like get to organizing uh, well, past, no, yours
1: I, is because you bought a crap ton of stuff. Yeah,
0: exactly. I bought multiple collections. If it was my original stuff, it wouldn't have taken me that long. But the fact is I bought one collection that was, I don't know, thousands upon thousands of cards. And I bought my brother's collection, which was also several thousand cards. And then when I went down back home, he's like, oh, by the way, here's like 10,000 more cards you could have for free. Cause I don't care about them. I'm like, what the hell dude so (laughs) like over the course of the last year I've like quadrupled or like five times the size of what my initial magic collection was like it's so bad um but the good thing is i i have reduced quite a bit and continue to do so uh and then the last thing i got here is a taldore reborn uh book that came out recently Mm. so that's part of the uh critical role world of taldore and um it's pretty interesting. I mean, I just watched the anime and finished Fat up. Uh, I, I haven't if, seen that yet. Oh, dude, it's so good. Like I, here's the thing though. Like I watched that this week. You should totally watch. It's like 12 episodes, I think. And it takes, it's like the first arc is what it covers. Apparently. Cool. That's what my wife told me. Uh, I never watched that campaign. I kind of want to do a Tal'Dorei campaign, but I feel like I need to watch all of critical role to get a better understanding of that world. Cause it's already like, you've got the book. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. Like, I got the book, but it's like I could either listen to it and understand the well, world. But you're only going to
1: be exposed to his the parts version. of the world that they go through and the villains that are in those parts of the world. Like, if you want to do exactly the same thing that they did, yeah, that would be great listening material. But that's true. I don't think you need to watch, you know, a hundred hours of that to get an idea of the Tal'Dorei. Just. Hit the high notes in the book. I'm sure Matt did a good job giving them the info. It's a pretty sweet book,
0: by the way. Like, yeah. it's solid. Like, it's definitely a, a very good quality book. So, if, I have if into uh,
1: the Tan- Tal'Dorei campaign setting.
0: Yeah, you have the original. I actually have two copies of that, funny enough. So, I picked up one through, like, uh, what was it, Barnes and Noble when they were like 30 bucks a pop. They're, by the way, they're like a hundred something dollars a piece now, that book. Is it really? Yeah. Man, I can't believe how much some of these books are worth now. Yeah, you you had the jackpot of some of these. You got the Xanathar's Guide and that one. All, all I ever did was just be like, hey, John, grab me an extra one, would you? Yeah, I should have just kept it. Could have sold it. <laughs> got more books. By the way, I, I have so many magic books now. When you come over next time. So we took all the magic books out of our uh, library office area and we put them upstairs. Uh, oh, really? in a new cube. So I got a new cube shelf from Ikea and I was like, Let's go ahead and use this for like all of the books, and then put all of our minis up there too. So I got another like plastic case that holds the minis coming in, and dude, I have so much D and D crap; it's ridiculous. I didn't realize how much I actually accumulated until I started carrying it upstairs. I'm like,
1: good god! Like, well, so now much you're crap. gonna have to take it up and downstairs.
0: I mean, I go upstairs anyways before D and D, so all I gotta do is just when I'm up there, grab like one or two minis that I need and go downstairs not yeah. a big deal well and we have intentions of putting like a a table upstairs at some point specifically for d see the
1: the thing that i think you need to do i mean i know we're not really doing video on this but like your backdrop is all just like books yeah you need like cool nerd stuff for your background i do right now it's just all giraffes it's all just right. right giraffes and books <laughs> Giraffes and books. Horror and giraffes. It's all you know, Stephen King and giraffes.
0: I'm looking at my my background right now on the screen, and it looks like it's a fake background, like one of those Zoom backgrounds. Yeah, it's just it fake. does. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like so perfectly level right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a bunch yeah. of books. So, um, but that's what I got as far as my pickups. And I'll just go into my what I'm playing right yeah, now. Yeah, really what you've quick.
1: been playing, dude. So, like we don't know. Like we don't
0: know. Yeah, I've been playing Pokemon. Uh, I... Got to the third area, started completely going crazy, catching uh, Machokes and, like, various Pokemon from all over the place. And I'm still liking it, dude. My Pokemon are, like, level 50-something. I finally can... I took so much time just catching different Pokemon and completing different Pokedex stuff, but I completely forgot about the story. So I jumped back into the story, and lo and behold, I have a Pokemon that will allow me to cross water. Um, I did not try the... uh, whatever it is that beaver I don't know what the hell it's called but people are taking like A-doof. this one maybe I don't know I guess it's called the yeah. so um they're like throwing one into a, a river and then they're crossing by just throwing the beavers <laughs> into the water and crossing all of these places um but yeah so I finally just got uh basculine or something I don't know masculine dude. Masculine, there you go, dude. It's like I'm masculine, s- but a bass. masculine, but it's bass, yeah. So you obviously know more of the new Pokemon than I do. I'm like original 150.
1: Some dude, of the, I, I love Pokemon as like a, a setting and a franchise and a world. Like uh, I was talking to Zach about this the other day. He likes the new game too, yeah. and like the fact that both of you really dig it, and I mean everybody else really digs it. And everybody's telling me I just, I guess I'm just in my own way with it. I still haven't bought it. I still. Will eventually, I don't know when, I'll get it at some point. It just, it seems foolish to go buy a game right now when I'm going to buy Elden Ring next week. Yeah, I already got Elden
0: Ring on pre-order, so. So, yeah. But I don't have a PS5, so I'm kind of screwed in that regard. So that sucks. I know, this is
1: going to be my first time purchasing a game for the Xbox.
0: Oh, I know what else I got. I forgot, I had three other game pickups this week. Oh, what'd you get? So I got inpatient on the PS4. It's a VR game. I got Doom VR brand new, actually, for five bucks. So I went into the GameStop and I was looking for a used copy. It was like five dollars. And he's like, I don't have a used copy, but I have a new one. So you could take this. So Damn. I got a, a new copy um, and it's still sealed, which is surprising. So yeah. And then I also got uh, what is it called? I'm I just off the top of my head. I just forgot. Oh, no, it would be the first time. Yeah, I know. oh you got near the new one uh no i got the what is it is it near it's not near replicant um automata automata yora edition i picked that up so that was like 12 bucks
1: different editions of that are there there's
0: just two there's just near and then there's the yora edition which is like the game of the year edition Mm. yeah it's like y-o-h-r-a i think I so know. i got that um i wanted i wanted to finish the original Nier for so long and i still have the save data so at some point we talked about that yeah. last week and oh yeah no because i bought it last week when we were on the podcast episode
1: oh yeah so <laughs> i'm like holy I forgot crap about I that. Completely forgot I did that while we were talking to john Reed. yeah
0: yeah well i mean we brought up Nier. i'm like well is it on sale right now oh it is let me buy it so when i got there though i bought a new copy online and then when I got in store, I had a used copy for like 11 bucks or 12 bucks. And I was like, well, what's all the DLC on here? And it was like skins and other crap. And I'm like, well, I don't really doesn't care. doesn't matter. Yeah. I was like, I don't care too much. So let me buy the used copy. And if the code is still good, it's still good. But if it's not, then I'm cool with whatever. it. Um, yeah, exactly. So I think there's like some DLC mission, but it's whatever. And um, then I saw the other copies. and I was like, well, if I buy this, I ended up only paying like $5 for the other two games basically, because nice. I had purchased a new copy. So I was like, all right, I've already used that money. Let me just put the extra $5 to get a couple more games. But uh, Pokemon and then um, the other one I'm playing is I pop back in Ghost of a Tale on PS4 because I said I was going to beat that damn game. And I will beat that game because it's actually not bad. Uh, graphically, it's, it's a very beautiful game. And the, the sneaking components as a mouse in like rats armor is absolutely hilarious. Cause you're just like super slow and bulky. And whenever you meet up with other rats and they see you in your armor, just like, you're awfully small for a rat. And he's like, well, I make up for my, my size and my courage. <laughs> it's so stupid too. Um, but I'm in like some dungeon or cell right now, or no, I'm in catacombs right now in the game. And so I have to like explore the catacombs for some lost rat And then go back to the commander So I think honestly I don't think I'm that Far in the game but at the same time I do feel Like I'm pretty far so we'll see I got I think it's like 12 hours for that game And I might be about halfway through We'll see cool It's gonna take some time I haven't really looked at any tutorials As of late so I'm honestly not sure exactly where I am Uh but That's it for me for this week
1: What did you have going on Uh so uh hitting the game pass more I went and redownloaded dead cells I gave it like a, a try or two before and I wasn't really feeling it but I've gone through and done like a whole bunch of runs I actually like went through and beat it once I got like all the extra runes, and I'm trying to like do the other paths and stuff it's really fun it's got like a whole bunch of great gear in it uh, it definitely feels really good to try to do different builds and stuff. And I'm excited to get everything, but like I went back and rewatched the completionist on it and man, do you have to grind to unlock new stuff? Like the amount of cells that you get per run, like if you're just dumping it into one thing, you could probably get like maybe one thing a run and not like, not like the cosmetics are super expensive in this one, which is like, I don't know. It's whatever. It's whatever if you want to keep grinding out to get new costumes, like that's eventually like the only thing that will be left to grind on once you get all the other equipment and stuff. But uh, I've been really enjoying that. Um, also got, um, a secret layer, my first secret layer that I ordered the mischief drop, uh, which had like Blood Moon and uh, Diabolic Tutor and Swords of Plowshares. It has a bunch of really awesome, good cards, and they look amazing. Uh, like gold and silver foils and stuff. Very interesting, different art. Like they don't look like any other magic card out there. And that's kind of the, the two sets that I've gotten from Secret Layer Drops are both ones that look completely different. I got like the movie monster poster set that should be coming in like April too.
0: Dude, that. That mischief set was the one that I really wanted to get and I forgot about it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think I was looking up, like, I mean, I got that set for, you know, it's like $40 and I think the blood moon alone is $30 now. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they definitely hold their value as far as I can tell. Like now what I'm going to sell and whatever, you know, who knows down the road, like, I've not sold any magic cards like, except for just to like you. So I need to go now that I've gone through and reorganized my collection and I'm seeing like how much stuff I have and I don't want to amass like a large collection. I, I would like to narrow down what I have and be more into playing stuff that I actually have and get more active in that way. Like we were talking, I don't know were we actually recording yet or not. I don't know. Um, I never play blue but like the ninja stuff is really cool and the mech stuff is really cool from Kamigawa and those are both like a lot of blue stuff it's like you know should I go back and sell old blue cards like am I ever going to come back around to playing them again like I guess that's that's the question that you have in your mind Mm -hmm. and what's even worth it like is it worth it for me to go through like all of my cards that I have and like just pull out everything that's worth a dollar and try to sell it so that I can make $30. Like, is that really going to change my life to sell those cards and make $30 or whatever? Cause I probably don't have anything like really worth a lot of money. You know? So yeah.
0: And it's so hard to like sell cards. Like it's just such a pain in the ass. Like I, I sold maybe 10 this week on TCG, but it's been sell for store credit. So I'm not like getting cash back on it. Otherwise, if you hit a certain threshold, you got to report that stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm just not really, you know, interested in dealing with that whole mess of another 1099. So yeah, I mean, it's a real pain, but I've been selling like excess stuff for store credit and then like selling it at a full rate for store credit to TCG yeah. and then picking up new cards. So like I, you know, I picked up like a bunch of burn cards that I want to try. And I mean, the 50 bucks that went towards that was all store credit from stuff I had prior, like, you know, previously sold and I'm only buying like play sets of things. So like, if I already have two copies of that card, then I'm going to only buy two copies, you know, online type yeah. of thing to fill it out. And so that's kind of the the route I've been going. But as far as like selling specific cards, like that's why I like to keep my play sets and then get rid of the excess or that's what I'm trying to do. Cause there's no point in me having like 12 copies of one common. You know, like what am I going to do with 12 copies? I've taken
1: your, your advice on that. So I've just been giving you all my bulk every time that I go through and reorganize stuff. Mm -hmm. Cause it's like, you know, I'm never going to have a thousand extra cards to sell. Mm -hmm. So I might as well give you a few hundred. Well,
0: and I haven't had much bulk actually for my stuff, oddly enough. Like the only bulk I had was, um, uh, what's it called? Innistrad, um uh, the, the other one, the second one that came out, not midnight Mid- hunt, oh, um, Crimson,
1: Crimson Vow. Vow.
0: I had some there, but you already had a bunch of excess as well. So like all of my bulk was, you know, I had a ton of bulk and primarily the reason I had a ton of bulk is because there was a
1: ton that I got from you as well. Well, there's uh, so that. much bulk with these like, different borders that they do. And it's cool that they're doing like the same cards in two different styles, but yeah. it sucks that they're like the commons and mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well I guess that means like I, the way that I do it is I'm keeping two of each. So it's like, I take two of the alternate art and I take two of the regular art and then I just declare all the rest bulk and give it to you. But it means that you're getting like twice as many commons. <laughs> Yeah. Or it feels that way.
0: Well, yeah, and I I've been doing what you do to an extent. If I have like four copies of the alternate art, I'll keep the alternate art and toss to regular. But if there's situations where I have like, you know,
1: three two, of one?
0: Yeah, like three of one, and then I have like three of another, then I go two and two. That's what I've been doing. But yeah, it's been interesting. Uh so other than that stuff, what are you what else are you currently playing?
1: um been playing dead cells and i've been playing dante's inferno i've gotten much much farther and i mean i'll talk about you know all of my final thoughts once i eventually beat that game who knows maybe i'll stop playing and pick it up in you know like post thanksgiving or something um (laughs) sounds good dude it's uh it's not that great uh it's really i mean it's fine but there's a very obvious reason that there's one Dante's Inferno and like six God of Wars. Yeah. Like there didn't need to be two of these and it's, it's a, a poor interpretation of what made God of War great. I think. And I just like the combat is not super fun in certain ways. It's frustrating. Like I'm going full Holy, like I'm, Uh, absolving every one of their sins I don't care what you did you're going to heaven yeah throwing my cross around and blasting holy light on everybody and it's 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 not not fun but like the comboing doesn't feel as good like it doesn't feel as like creative I feel like I'm just doing the same exact thing over and over again especially like first small enemies that are just annoying like if you just grab them with your scythe and uh like a grab and then absolve them nobody else attacks you you just do that over and over until you've cleared all those enemies out and then there's the big enemies that you can't do that to and it's just like i don't remember in god of war it feeling like it takes 20 30 hits to kill a guy you know like maybe Mm -hmm. the really big ogres but like it just feels like I'm beaten on these guys forever and ever. And I just don't feel like I'm ever doing any more damage. Cause you don't really like, I, maybe it's because I'm doing the Holy route. Maybe it would be doing more damage if I was doing the unholy route. I don't know, but I'm just like wailing on these guys, absolving things, doing this like combo that I made where you like suck guys in and then blast them into the air just over and over. Cause like nobody drops health. Like the only way to get back health is to use this one magic spell or to get the very, like, the second-to-last and the last unlocks for, like, the Holy Tree, make it so that enemies drop health. So it's like you go into some of these combat encounters, and it's like you just got to be able to dodge everything, or, like, I try to cheese it and blast people into the, like, death water, or, like, um, you just have to parry, like, every attack. I just finished the boss fight where you fight Dante's dad. And he slams this big cross into the ground and it shoots out these like circle waves of energy around it that blast you and he'll be trying to hit you while those are blasting off and they push you or you can stand right next to it and parry it and then Hmm. blast the dad and then parry it and then blast the dad. But it's like you got to do it like a fucking hundred times because you just do so little damage. With, like, every hit. Like, I don't I don't get it. It's just, it's more frustrating than it is fun. And, like, God of War was definitely frustrating because, like, some of it's, like, really hard. But it feels, like, hard more like you've got to be good enough to get through everybody because, like, you do get health back as you do damage. Like, if you're in a boss arena, there's, like, chests you can break strategically at certain times to get health back or whatever. You know, yeah. there's, like... It's not just like, well, I guess you know, I either get hit or I parry every attack.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound very fun. I mean, it's yeah, pretty decently reviewed. So I don't know.
1: It's it's fine. It's just God of War's way better. Well, yeah,
0: and that was always a thing. Like, I went to school with like several like huge Xbox fanboys, and they're like Dante's Inferno, the God of War killer.
1: I'm like, mm, nope, not really. Well. And, like, the violence and nudity, it's all very, like, hell, you know? Like but does obviously it feel forced? It just feels like, like, now that we're in, like, a, it's a different day and age socially than it was back then, it just feels so, like, you know, like, bro dudes, like, writing in their, like, notebooks and, like, you know drawn in the margins and shit like it feels very like i don't know cheap gotcha like, like like it's not not that like god of war was like tasteful with its stuff but it just was like i don't know it, it didn't feel i guess forced is the word yeah. It, yeah it feels very like in your face and like oh like isn't this like brutal gotcha it, it, it is hell I get that yeah. it's supposed to be like that, but it just, I don't know. I've seen it done better. Yeah. Makes sense.
0: Well, doesn't sound too fun, but uh, you can of course continue to hear Ryan's rants on Dante's Inferno on the And of course any updates he might have down the road on social media at game Deflators on Twitter at the game on Instagram and Facebook. And of course you can uh, hear us on your favorite podcast application like you're doing now. And of course, leave us a five-star review. So Ryan, Pulled a few articles this week. It's a very slow news week. I was kind of curious on your thoughts on some of these. So
1: in order, there's there one gonna... that you left off of here.
0: Uh, probably. Yeah. Oh that yeah. Big collection that I they found. It. I just didn't feel it was like it's newsworthy to say like somebody found a big collection, but like diving into it, I'm like, yeah,
1: well, it was really cool. So if uh, we don't have like an article for this, but I want to talk about it real quick because it is like up our lane. Somebody in I don't even remember where it was, Nebraska, I think. Nebraska, they found like an old storage for like a game store that went out of business in like '92 or something or '94, and it's got like just like sealed like super nintendo and genesis carts and stuff just like all kinds of stuff like it's if they went and got it graded like they would surely retire oh for sure just too bad
0: there's so much corruption in the grading practices
1: <laughs> as, cash, as in about before. Yeah, cash in now
0: for cash in now So uh, this week, some of what we're going to discuss, EA denies blaming Halo Infinite for Battlefield 2042 problems. So this is actually a little bit later from an article that came out, I guess about a week ago, that somebody said EA was blaming Battlefield 2042's problems on Halo coming out. Now EA's denying that. The other thing we're going to talk about is Video Game History Foundation is going off on Nintendo for destructive retro policies. And then uh, just a public service announcement, you may want to rescue your old Pokemon from 3DS uh, before the eShop shuts down. So we'll talk about that too. But the first one here is Tyler Wild at PC Gamer, and this is on EA denying uh, Halo Infinite being the issue for Battlefield 2042. I honestly, after reading this article, some of what I heard was just straight up excuses. I mean, one of the things that they note here with Battlefield 2042's issues, uh, you know, is Oh, well, the pandemic, because we had people working from home and that was the biggest issue. Okay. Well, what about all the other game companies that released successful titles during the pandemic and work through it as well? Like, come on.
1: Well, what about every other battlefield launch that's been plagued with bugs? Yeah, that's that pre pandemic.
0: Like, or, or every other EA game that has been plagued with bugs when it comes out. Like, don't put this on, like, your developers. I mean, they're the ones working hard to push this thing through, and you're probably working them crazy hours, you know, from home, nonetheless, during the pandemic. And now it's like, oh, well, you know, that's the issue. It wasn't because of Halo Infinite. Like, I- I'll give it to him. Like, Halo Infinite came out, and it's supposed to be, you know, after the one year delay, a very polished title. But that makes sense because they took the extra year to make sure after fan reception that this came out as a quality product EA just pushed it out. Like they would any other EA game with battlefield 2042. And even we talked about this That you know, when I think it was in the, uh, during the beta stages, there were like some major concerns of this game. Yeah. And we were talking about that back then and how this game was, you know, going to be plagued and they had to, you know, potentially delay it or put some more time into it they clearly didn't do that with based on the fan feedback like there was plenty of reception that said you should probably hold this game back and they didn't do that and now they're like oh well it's it's this other game company oh it's our developers oh it's this oh it's that no
1: dude like you guys just screwed up they just this is all they care about i mean it's the same thing like i mean um you know, Activision with Call of Duty, that's all they care about. And, I mean, EA just made some very poor choices this time around. Like, nobody's really happy with the way they changed the class system and the way that, you know, Battlefield is kind of been in the past and the way they're trying to move it forward. Just that was going to be an issue whether Halo came out at that time or not. People were not going to be a fan of that the same as they aren't. Um, you know the struggles that they have at every launch is just something that I don't know why people are still ever surprised. I don't even play these games. And every time I know there's going to be huge issues at launch. So, I mean, they're just not getting away with it this time because of all the other problems and because there's much better alternatives available. You know, that's the thing. Like if you want to compete You've got to bring it. You know, you can't be the best selling franchise year after year if you're not the best game. And I mean, you're not. I
0: I think that's the key thing, too, is like when you're putting these two games side to side. I mean, let's just say they did deny it. Let's say they didn't do it or didn't say that, uh, you know, Halo Infinite was the issue. You know, at the end of the day your game, even if it's because of sales, it's not selling as well because of Halo Infinite. Well, there's a reason for that because if you release a game that's not polished and it goes head to head with another a game that is game. polished, yeah, it's it's going to not look as good. And, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, if, if Battlefield 2042 was that good of a game, people would be looking at that and saying, you know what, I want to play that. I want to buy that because that's a very, you know, it's a good quality game. It's clearly polished. It clearly has a gameplay I desire, and I want to keep playing that. Halo has nothing to do with it. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, Halo does, because it's a Halo name, of course, and it's been highly anticipated. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you can hold your ground against it for a good quality product,
1: then it shouldn't matter. If they spend as much time in between Battlefields as they did Halos, maybe they would have enough time to make it good.
0: Yeah, pretty much. All right. So obviously you and I are not like huge Battlefield fans, but I think we can understand for those out there to purchase this game that I
1: played a bunch of Battlefield two and I think some three. And I thought they were great. Like I really liked the different mechanics of being like, you know, on a squad and doing different roles and contributing in different ways. And it not just being about KDA like Call of Duty was. And You know, I I love being able to use vehicles and destructible environments like they had a lot of stuff that was differentiating them and and making them unique. And I feel like with the evolution of first person shooters and like wanting to just have like, okay, you know, more customization and more expressiveness out there, they just kind of took it not in the direction that was true to what the fans wanted and what they were doing. Yeah, I would agree with you on that.
0: Well, um, you know, I think the other thing to note here is, and I'm pretty sure I saw this the other day, that there's apparently a fan petition. I want to say it was up to to 200,000. Oh, it's 200,000. 200,000. It was 100,000 when I saw it. So yeah, Yeah. 200,000 people that are wanting a refund on this game.
1: Yeah, they only needed like 50 to get like a class action lawsuit petitions started or something.
0: That's so crazy, dude. Yeah,
1: fans rise up and well, in the current player count, I think is like under 25,000 players or something.
0: This thing is going to go via the route of Anthem. That's what's going to happen here. Oh man. Okay. So uh, diving out of battlefield, uh, video currently game sitting hist- under 5,000 players. That's so bad, dude. Especially for a game like that. That was <laughs> highly anticipated. Yeah. Uh, okay. So video game history foundation is going off on Nintendo's destructive retro policies. Luke Plunkett at Kotaku who's the writer behind this one. And so, you know, uh, I would agree with this man. Like, Nintendo, they're doing in a sense, the same exact thing that they have done for years with like SNES, NES games, etc, in that you could play them at one point in time, all access of it, unless you have the original stuff is removed and then you're gonna get pinged, you know by Nintendo for lawsuits and whatnot if you're caught you know playing those old games that they're not releasing, so they're not selling them. They're not, I mean, obviously they're not losing any money because they're not actively selling these games. And we're seeing this now with like the 3DS and Wii U stores. You know, there's all of the, the thousands of digital games on there that are going to be just gone. You know, just lost in this, you know, destruction in a sense of both game stores. And unless there are people out there who have taken these digital copies, and I hate to say it, but like, pirated them so that others can enjoy them down the road. They're just gone forever. You know, unless there's physical copies of it, they are gone. And so I I'm totally with this dude, like video game foundations, whole issue with this, this problem with Nintendo. I mean, it's just these stupid policies that they have And like, what are we, what are we going to see? Like 20 years from now, they might release like of these thousands of games, you know, maybe 20, 30 games come through the woodwork down the road. You know what? It's just stupid the way that they do this.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, there's not like I never really thought about it. But like when they talk about how they lobby against games being available in libraries, I mean, it's not really something I ever considered much. I think I have heard of games being in libraries at some point. But I mean, obviously not like we don't live in a society where games are treated the way books are treated and a library would work. You know, functionally, I think people would just steal those games because you're nobody's reselling books from a library like that's that's a fool's way to make money. (laughs) But video games would be a whole other story, I guess. And and also they're not, you know, produced in a way or consumed in a way that, you know, books are. I I don't know. There's a lot of differences between why blockbuster and why not library. But what a world we could have lived in. Right. Like, oh, my God, like had the dice been a little different. You just had libraries of video games. That would have been sick. That would have been the good timeline. But this is where we're stuck. And, you know, everybody can respect Nintendo's position. Like, obviously, because they created something, they don't have to be the arbiter of keeping it available to everyone for all time. Like, that's not their job. But, you know, it they at least shouldn't stand in the way of people who want that to be a reality and want things like that to be shared. I, I do think that, you know, if you look at the first comment that was on here, at least when I looked, it's uh, remember, it's always, always good to pirate Nintendo games. This is from Juan rock <laughs> <laughs> and, and he gives his reasoning why, but like, I would say that anybody who wants to play any Nintendo game, I really think you're like a Google search and 10 minutes away from making that a reality for yourself. So like, I wouldn't get super, you know, hard on about that, but maybe Wii U and 3DS is going to be different just because it has like different, you know, like inputs that aren't easily replicated. So unless, you know, you were able to emulate that hardware or jailbreak that hardware and then import the games over to it. It would be more complicated and, and a little bit more of a barrier to entry. Um, it's a tough thing, you know, like Nintendo should make it easier for people to preserve these and make them available. But, you know, I, I don't know. Well, There's like, not a super easy way to do it, I think.
0: What I don't get is like if you have these existing servers that are holding all of these games, could you not just transition these over to your new store? Like, are you closing it because you're going to close it and they're
1: forever gone?
0: Or are you closing it because Well, you they can't
1: optimi- optimize all these to just work on the switch?
0: No, I know. I know. And I, I get that. But like, there's ways that they could do it. I mean, if you think about if we had AIs. Yeah. I mean, if you think about 3DS, I mean, you and I discussed this in the past. If you had the ability to take your switch and use that as the bottom screen for your 3DS, and your TV was your 3DS screen, like you could totally do these games on there. And as far as uh, Wii U is concerned, I mean, you have Joy-Cons and you have a screen. So that's right there. You know, you have the ability to do this. And it's the same setup in a sense as what the Wii U was. It's just the Switch now. So, yeah, I mean, I think they have the ability to take this. I think they can put it on the, you know, like on the new shop if they wanted to, but that's just not Nintendo's way. And it's that's just what's so frustrating about it.
1: I mean, who knows, maybe, maybe that backwards compatibility and reintegration could be something to look for in a future Switch Pro that, you know, is gonna be backwards compatible with the entire online Nintendo history library. It would be cool, but
0: you know, they're not gonna do it. I saw another article recently that Nintendo has no plans as of right now to create a new console until they can find something that is going to be as unique as a Switch. Apparently, that's what I had read recently from somebody and in, in an article they had shared. And so, what it means is Nintendo is looking at just innovation in a sense, like what what's the next gimmick they can do, not how much
1: power can they put in the next console. And there's a number well, they of can like do an update, like you know, they could like there's not a new iPhone. There's just the iPhone, whatever the next number is.
0: Yeah. And it's like, Nintendo just wants to keep doing these gimmicks, which is why you had like, you know, the N64 controller and the GameCube with its little discs instead of its, you know, normal size DVDs that they could have released back in that era. Or, you know, you've got the Wii with the Wii Motes and then the Wii motion plus and all these other crazy things that they've done. They're looking for the next gimmick. And, it seems like they are not willing to move on from the switch until they find that next gimmick. But then what there's does that great mean in switch ter- games? Well, yeah, there's great switch games. But what does that mean in terms of overall power?
1: Like, are you going to, are you going to, I don't think it like- matters. Like people talk about sacrificing power, but like the switch was fine, like back then. And it's still fine now. Like as long as you keep making games that are good for that and you don't try to push it, there's not a problem. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're going to be looking at PS6 or whatever the hell is that, you know, out at that point. If, Dude, you know, nobody, natural 1% of the population has a PS5. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we're going to be looking at like PS6 coming down the road and they're going to be like, here's our newest console. And it's the equivalent of the power of a PS4. Like, what the hell? You know, like, it's just they're just so far behind in that regard. And it's honestly kind of frustrating as. I've grown older as a gamer and I like to see power in these games. I would love to play Nintendo games in like a native 4k, but it's just not going to happen anytime soon. And so that's just what's so frustrating, man, as a gamer is, you know, Nintendo not moving on beyond. Yeah, but you can
1: also play Nintendo games for less than $700.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's got its pros and cons. You're right. You know, but I just, I'm not a fan of a whole, let's look for the next gimmick. Like, and I don't know and, why I said $700. Uh, well, I mean, that's basically what you'd pay for for PS5 right now. So, yeah, I just, I don't understand the whole, like, we're looking for the next gimmick thing. But who knows? Maybe if that next gimmick is being able to play like the uh, the Wii U, where you kind of had the bottom screen and then the TV was like your main screen. I'd be pretty cool with that. You know, I think that'd be a pretty cool gimmick, but I don't see them going that way. Um, okay, so tied in with this as well. So uh rescue your old Pokemon 3D or your old 3DS Pokemon before the Nintendo eShop shuts down. And this is Cass Marshall at Polygon. Uh so basically as part of a whole eShop situation, they had like this Pokemon bank where you could take, I think it was all the way from Ruby actually, where you could save a lot of these Pokemon and have them in this Pokemon bank. So they're transitioning from that to I think it was what was the Ryan Pokemon Hotel or something on there like this whole new Pokemon setup that they're going to have moving forward. Um, But the point is, is that you used to have to pay for this Pokemon bank. It was like $4.99 a month, I want to say. And you could have all your Pokemon saved here, no issues. But because these stores are closing down, the Pokemon bank is going to be leaving. Now, they do have, I think it was a 2023 timeline is what they stated. Oh, Pokemon home. Pokemon home, hotel, home. Okay, close enough, right? So you have this whole Pokemon home thing that they're going to be doing and they're giving fans until 2023 with a free version of Pokemon bank to be able to transition and do what they need to do. Um, But I want to say Pokemon home, they have to pay for as well. So they're just kind of moving
1: services in a sense. Um, That should have always been free. Like as much money as they make off of, you know, merchandising and selling two copies of one game, like, They could have done this for everybody. Yeah, I agree. And but I do think it's interesting to have things
0: from Ruby and Sapphire all the way back then. Because I've always kind of thought to myself, how the hell would you transition Pokemon from all of these different games over the years? And you know, because back then you could do red and blue to yellow, yellow to silver, and then silver and gold over to like Ruby and Sapphire and all those games. But I never really did think about like how do you transition that over to, you know the DS and 3DS games. Yeah. I guess you could, oh, go on three bucks a month or 16 bucks a year. Yeah. I mean, 16 bucks a year isn't bad, but at the end of the day, you're right.
1: Like, should you honestly have to pay for that? You know, that would have been a good bonus thing to throw in for doing the expansion pass. You know, yeah, just some little things like this that are like extra things that, Aid the games, you know, that's goodwill stuff that you could throw in there. Like, because like the base service for the Nintendo Online is like 20 bucks a year and that gives you access to tons of games. This is 16 bucks a year and it makes it so you can trade your own Pokemon between your own games that you paid, you know, Nintendo probably full price for. And now they want to charge you to make that easier. Yeah. That's stupid. I agree, man. Uh,
0: and let's see. I know, maybe. I mean, part of this could just be due to the Pokemon company itself. But it's always funny to say that, too, the Pokemon company. Right. You know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, part of it could just be their, their reasoning. Like, they just want to charge for this. You know? Because Nintendo, in a sense, doesn't have full say. In, I just can't imagine they they
1: there's enough people that are paying for it that it's, like, super worth it.
0: I don't know, man, like, and the fact that they're willing to give it for free right now is this transition process. But if you already have it, though, and you're grant, you know, like, say you're already paying for it. Now they expect you to pay for this and Pokemon home for well, a
1: period of time. No, they're making they're getting rid of the fee. So if you already have it, it's going to be free for the next year. Yeah, but I mean, what if you already paid for it for the full year? Um, I'm you know, like, then you're out of luck, obviously. Like, so if you went and were like, I'm going to get my 3DS and sign up for Pokemon Bank on February, you know, 17th, 2022. Like, if you were the guy who that day decided to do that, then, yeah, I guess you got screwed out of... Well, no, I'm
0: saying, like, January. January, you decide, I'm going to pay for the full year of Pokemon Bank. You know? So you pay for the full year, and it's like, Oh, by the way, it's gonna be free now. Well, like, you were already it's... gonna do that anyways. Yeah, but is Pokemon reimbursing them? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> Nintendo damn sure isn't. They don't give money back. No, of course not. Nintendo That's will claim their money. Yeah. Nintendo will be like, excuse me, you're wanting free money lawsuit. Right. <laughs> here's here's a lawsuit. Cease and desist your attempts. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have been so far removed from Pokemon outside of Arceus. And it clearly shows when I can't name Pokemon. <laughs> like when I say best or something, you're like, no, it's basculate. So, uh, yeah, this doesn't really impact me too much. But I guess for all those Pokemon fans out there, it, it is a PSA that you need to get your shit together before things go away. Save your mons. <laughs> yep. Save your mons. So uh, our inflation deflation of the week, uh, we had Absolver on the PS4. This is developed by Slow Clap, uh, published by Devolver Digital. It was directed by Pierre Tarno and Jordan Leani, and it was released in August of 2017. It is an action role-playing game, kind of like martial arts action role-playing, actually. And uh, reception is in the sevens range. So quick thing, uh, Slow Clap is actually comprised, it's a Parisian indie developer, but it's comprised of former Ubisoft uh, developers. And so they created a the studio. And so I realized that, after like, you know, the art style that's there, it's very similar to what they're going to be doing for uh, or what they've done for the Prince of Persia game, the remake of that. Like, Mm -hmm. if you look at that, like cell shaded kind of grainy. Architecture and design that they have there that we saw, that's very much what's going to be in that Prince of Persia game and what they've had in the past. So I could totally like once I read who this was like, that makes 100 percent sense. Now, I'll say, uh, you know, we played this game both on, well, we both play it together on uh, the PlayStation share function. So I was able to give Ryan access to my PlayStation so he could actually, you know, play it remotely. So really quick, before we dive into it altogether, what were your thoughts on the
1: share function? Well... I think that I was having some internet issues on my side anyways, which is why it was just taking so long to download the game. So, I mean, it didn't feel like there was like a lot of lag. There was definitely like a lot of artifacting and like graphical lag, but like the controls felt fine enough. I mean, this is definitely a game that is like on the level of a fighting game where input timing and reaction timing really matter. So this probably is not something that you would want to play a full experience through. But I mean, for starting off, I was doing fine with it. I thought it was really cool. I didn't even know this was a feature. So, I mean, I'm probably never going to use that feature again, but I guess it's cool to know it's there. Well, I mean, it's nice for whenever like
0: that situation occurred. You're like, dude, I can't download it in time. Yeah, I already had it. So it's like, all right, well, let's let's just do a share play real quick and then kind of experience it together that way. Uh, as far as, you know, the game is concerned and I I do like to share a I've used it before, but, um, or to screen share at least, but as far as the gameplay is concerned, some of what I was reading and what was the exact feeling I had when we were playing was dark souls and the style of fighting being very similar to dark souls in that there was a lot of emphasis put on the dodge mechanic and trying to move out of your opponent's moves. And then of course the fighting itself very much an emphasis on dark souls. And as I started reading into the wiki on this, that was exactly what people were looking at it as, you know, how do, how does this compare to dark souls, this martial arts action role-playing game where you're actively building up stats, actively finding items and armor that increase your abilities, um, you know, as a character. And that's exactly where it was for me. And the biggest issue here that I had was, It wasn't as good as Dark Souls when you start, you know, comparing the gameplay. And I know it's it's not something you should say, like, like, dude, this is a martial arts game. You're trying to compare it to Dark Souls. There's there's no way. But there is. I mean, when you kind of have that feel as you have multiple enemies coming in your direction, you're having to dodge out. The dodge was not that fluid for me. It was kind of difficult. The various stances to try and move into could get confusing at times and oftentimes open you up for attack, which I understand is part of the game, but just didn't make it very fun. It made it a little more difficult than it should have been. One on one combat, no issue. When I have enemies as like four and five on one combat, that becomes a problem when you're constantly having to flip flop around and you don't have like this ability to quickly, at least with the character we chose, you don't have this ability to like quickly dodge out of all of these various attacks. You're getting pummeled from every single direction. And we noticed that before that random person online came out of nowhere and like helped out clearing out some enemies. Yeah, you know, it's just it just it was unnecessarily difficult, I guess I would say. In so, certain instances,
1: it, it's definitely a game where like mastery and depth uh, is a big part of it. Like once you get further into the game, I guess you can really customize your style and the moves that you have access to to really build like a comprehensive, individualized fighter with like your own move sets and, and how you want to interact with other, you know, other people with fighting and stuff. Uh, yeah,
0: and I mean, and there's some cool gameplay modes as well. And there's like one-on-one versus mode that you can do and battle it out with people. There's, um, you know, can complete missions together. There's there's this open world type of concept in a sense, even if it's a little linear where other players are there to kind of help you out and, and go through battle with one another. And you can actually hone in on your techniques through like this training mode uh, one-on-one with other players, uh, which allows you to like increase your abilities that way. So there's some really cool features this game. And, you know, I, I would say in my honest, honest opinion on this, I think the six to seven round or six to seven grading that people were giving it is about right. You know, it's got some good stuff going for it, and then it's got some stuff going for it that, like, you wish was better. And in my case, it's more so the fighting I felt was lacking a bit. And unfortunately, it's a critical component of a game.
1: Yeah, I think that if we played it for more than 20 minutes and actually got into some of that depth, you know, we'd be able to give it a lot more of an idea of what you can actually do. Cause I mean, really, we only had, you know, access to like the starting moves and we didn't really get to see what else we could do. Yeah, I know that they took this game as like a really good platform. I I thought this would be a good game for us to play since seafood just came out this month. And that's really taken, you know, the core of this, like, you know, martial arts, um, Really more realistic kind of combat than like over-the-top combat, like you see in a lot of other things, but really refine it down into more of like a I guess like you what you were saying, even more Dark Soulsy, where it's like very like you need to go through and execute on this because if you don't you're just not going to make it. And and eventually the roguelikes going to catch up to you and you're going to have to start all over because it just gets brutally hard. And well, I think and that we, this was a good base that they built from. And we saw with
0: so many online players that were on there and, you know, even some of the enemies that we faced that, yes, there are more moves than what we had and you can totally do like a different move set. But in my mind, even watching some of those other characters, you know, Roundhouse kicks and, you know, low kicks and all this other stuff that some of these enemies were doing, or the other guy flipped through the air and attacked another enemy, like and that happened to be like his big triangle move that he was using. It just for me, I mean, it was still lacking even watching that. Um just not enough flair It just wasn't yeah, it just wasn't enough for me. And like while graphically it looks pretty decent, I think that's also one of the downfalls in this game. It's just it's not
1: it's it is very muted.
0: Yeah, it's very much OG Xbox brown everywhere, <laughs> you know, in the games that we played on the Xbox. So I just wasn't a, a huge fan uh, of this game, but I, I would say that it does have enough going for it to give it that six to seven range score. Um, What, what else did you think about this game in general, dude? Because, I mean, you played at least the tutorial section and then I played more so that main quest
1: in getting to uh, our key you know, enemies I mean, we, we both it. ran around and just punched the shit out of people. <laughs> I think that the, um, I I mean, you weren't very interested in it, it doesn't seem, but I thought it was fine. I thought the combat was, like, decent enough. Like, I felt like all of my moves, like, uh, chain well together. I mean, I would have liked to see what getting more stances, un- unlocking more moves, because it's like, uh, it seemed like we just didn't have enough things to work with to be able to change things up yet uh i i would definitely go back and give this more of a shot i wanted to play this uh back in the day i saw uh let's play on super beard bros of this for a little while but i don't know i i want to play a lot of games that i never go out and play so it just kind of fell into that camp yeah
0: you know when when we first saw the artwork for this game i thought we were going to be playing some sort of like I don't know, in my mind, I thought we were playing a platformer or something like I went into it super, super fresh with no experience, like no knowledge of this game whatsoever. I didn't even realize I had the game on my PlayStation.
1: Yeah, it's just one of those (laughs) ones that dropped a long time ago. It's like one of the first games that I have on my list. I don't know if it's probably because it's alphabetical or if it's by date. I'm not sure. Yeah. If it's alphabetical, it makes sense why it's up at the top. That would make
0: sense, yeah. So uh brass tax on the game here, complete in box is going for thirty-two seventeen. It peaked at thirty-nine dollars in February of twenty eighteen. It is holding at that price point for complete in box. A loose copy is running at twenty seven ninety-seven that peaked at thirty-three ninety-one back in February of twenty eighteen. And um, that is also holding at, at this point. So seeing as we just played this game for free, yeah. And I was not a huge fan of it. Yeah, I don't even know I would pay five dollars for this game. I mean, that's how brutal I am with
1: it. I think that that might be a little a little harsh, but I'm definitely going to say it's also inflated. Yeah, there's no way I would ever pay this much money for this game. Yeah, I wonder why it is holding. I mean, maybe it was because it was like a more limited release game or something. I'm not sure. Well, let's see. I'm just going to Google Absolver PS4, put shopping
0: and see what comes up.
1: Yeah. Oh, you know what? A sale a month.
0: Oh, you know what? Because there was, it looks like a collector's edition came out at some point and a couple other things. So yeah, I mean, it's a digital, they have a digital copy, of course. So that's primarily why that price could be holding out. Um, although I don't think it actually counts digital No, in regard shouldn't. to that. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, regardless, I don't think it's worth it.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, if you really want a physical copy of this, I mean, I guess you know, yeah, go for it. I don't know how much longer the online is going to be on there since you know they released their follow up game already now. So, who knows on that aspect of it? I, I'm sure that this game is probably completely playable, self contained without the online portion. So. You should be fine to to just get it if you really want it. Like if you like Sifu, you want to see like where they started with that. You know, you could go back and do that. Or if you can. You know, find this cheaper and you want to give it a try before committing to buying Sifu, which is probably more expensive. Mm -hmm. You could do that, too. So I'm wondering, is there a way
0: to be able to see how many active players are on a certain game? I think there is, right? Uh, i'm just kind of curious like how many people are actively playing absolver i don't know google it you know all right so how many people play absolver online let's see let's see very basic search okay yeah i mean it was pretty easy steam charts so based on steam charts in the last 30 days i have an average of 188 players online okay so very tight in community very tight in community apparently Uh, so that's, that's not exactly very good, but if we said how many people play and we'll just say, well, it's a
1: five-year-old game.
0: I know, but still, I mean, some games, you know, have a, yeah. So Battlefield 2042 hit its lowest point at 2000. And then if we just said Apex Legends, just for comparison's sake for the five-year-old game here, which it's not five years old. I know that, but it's been out for quite a while.
1: well, but um, it's an actively updated game.
0: It is. And they have 10 million players actively every day. So there's all sides of the spectrum. Uh, Absolver kind of a MMO in a sense um, has been online for about five years, has about 188 players. 2042 just came out not too long ago, has less than 2000. Apex is 10 million. So tells you where people are right now,
1: where people spend their time.
0: Yeah. So, well, that was good. Um, I, uh, yeah, I think I I might need to give some more time to absolver as far
1: as like, I don't think you do like, I mean, it's fine. You know, not every game is for everybody. And if you know right away, I mean, you just move on to something else. Like there's so many games out there. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like towards the end, that's where I got that Dark Souls feeling towards
0: the end where you saw me on screen kind of judging like, okay, let me hold. Okay, he's coming for attack. Let me dodge. Let me do a couple of melee attacks. But yeah, I mean, it just, you know, I actually,
1: it, I did download another game this week. I downloaded, um, Mortal Shell. Oh, you'll tell me how that one is. Yeah, I actually because I want to just get that Dark Souls feeling in me, you know, before Elden Ring next week. And the only yeah. thing I have that I can play, like I, I think about it. I do have, um, Dark Souls two for PS three. If I want to hook my PS three up. Yeah. Or I could try that Mortal Shell game. Maybe I'll do... I don't whichever know. Whichever one. Yeah. Either one works. Maybe I'll do Dark you know? Souls 2. I, I forget that I have that sometimes.
0: Yeah. Don't you have the remastered version on the Switch as
1: well? No. Oh, I thought you got that for some no, reason. No, I thought about buying it many times, but never have. Yeah. Um. Well, I have no
0: idea what we're playing next. Oh, you know what? Next week, let's play some Discworld. I thought we already did that. No. Dude, we have not played Discworld yet, mm. and I, I was telling, we were telling uh, John Rue last week that that's one we might have to play. So, and if for some strange reason my copy of Discworld no longer works, then we play Blazing Dragons. Okay, one of the two. But sounds good. Yeah, What's I'm down to play some Discworld. Yeah, let's play some Discworld. All right. Well, that has been episode 171 of the Game of Flitters podcast. My name is John. I'm Ryan.